Hello and welcome to Live Fix Radio. This is Chris. This is Colleen. And we're glad to have everybody uh, listening in today. We have a uh, special kind of pitchfork wrap up with some, uh, as you guys heard in the uh, intro there, uh, Harry Potter type of uh, discovery we made at uh, Pitchfork, Pitchfork Music Festival. Uh, did you have fun at the at the festival, Colleen? It was good this year. It was it was pretty hot this year, and um, but but it was some some good music, some good times. We uh, I felt like I got to meet some new people. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of new photographers and um, people from all over the United States. Yeah. So I got to meet some people from New York and um, people from California. Uh, so it was it was a pre- pretty big turnout. And you survived year. the Odd Future show. I was I was a little concerned about you in the uh, the photo pit during Odd Future, but uh, tell us a little bit about well, how, I don't what, know what, what that was call, like. I don't know if you want to call it a photo pit. It was more like um, try right. to get the closest you can, uh, and then I had, of course, a lens that could reach some decent shots. Uh, but I was probably in the front row, um, kind of left of the stage. I was scared. And, I was scared for you. Yeah, it was pretty rowdy. It was, um, I, I was a little. It's probably one of the more concerned. rowdier concerts I've ever photographed. Um, I had people all over pushing each other, screaming. I had um, two girls almost got into a fight next to me. Wow, really? You didn't tell um, me about that. Yeah, and then I had a guy proceed to um, use... I- I've never seen this before. He had, <laughs> There was like two people in front of him, and he somehow whipped his feet up on their shoulders, and then he used um, his arms... To use actually use my shoulder and then put his arms on there and like catapult it up wow. um, to get over the actual gates, the fence there wow. to see um, one of them after the show. Yeah, was, they were kind of walking around yeah. in the front um, audience there to try to get pictures in the VIP section, and so people were kind of getting rowdy and wanting to to see them and meet them. Wow, yeah, Odd Future. If uh, you guys haven't heard heard of them before. Their 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 full band name is Odd Future Wolfgang Kills Them All, and they're a hip hop collective, uh, a young group of a teenage uh, hip hop, um, uh, you know, collective uh, from Southern California, and they've caused uh, you know they've created quite a stir, you know. Kind their of lyrics are pretty extreme. Some of the lyrics. Yeah, I mean they're doing they're they're really not rapping about anything nobody's heard before. You know, I, I think of Eminem, his early days in Marshall Mathers uh, EP. Or uh, LP, and you know even D12, D12 some of the stuff, yeah. you know Devil's Night, you know very, it's got misogynistic, you know very violent against women, you know bees and you know surprisingly F-ness, enough, you know, a lot of their audience were women, stuff, but, women um, really were you know entertained by them. Yeah, that's all who was around me are, are women, and um, there you know there were some, a couple males, but um, there are definitely a lot of women there, women there at that show. Yeah, yeah, and that's surprising too because one of the big stories, you know, aside from the music, which kind of actually took a backseat to the whole festival, which I thought was kind of interesting, this whole story about Wolfgang or uh, Odd Future being protested by an anti-violence women's group. And before the actual show at Pitchfork, these guys went over to the booth that was at Pitchfork and handed out cupcakes uh, to the group and then went on on to the show. And the group is fronted by uh, uh, Tyler, the creator. And, you know, his, uh, he's got a sophomore album out that just got released called Goblin. And on Goblin, you know, he's got his other um, guys in the, uh, in the group, you know, rapping and, you know, rhyming and stuff like that. And the music's, music's pretty interesting to listen to. But he's got, also got this thing that's, uh, you know, he's, you know, kind of, you know, 
in the album, you know, he takes a kind of a therapeutic approach. He, you know, he kind of pokes fun at things and, you know, gets very violent. You know, he says he's not a role model. You know, he says he's not really a serial killer, but he talks, you know, they talk a lot about rape and violence and, you know, all these things that are really not new in rap music. I mean, I've heard a lot of this stuff before. We, and we've actually, all heard this, after you know? their um, but, set, at, towards the end, they actually, um, I, I know, I got a chance to see the security like rush on stage and they began to start throwing mics and yeah. stage diving and very and punk, I, very punk rock. You know, I don't know if know. that was stage, but uh, it didn't. It didn't appear that the security knew what they were going to do. Security yeah. was very worried for fan safety and just for the band safety. Right in the in the press release that they send to us because when we go and cover these shows, we we get a list of rules and regulations that the Pitchfork Festival sends out to us saying. You know, you got to appear 20 minutes before this set. We'll, we'll walk you in. And they called out specifically that Odd Future's set, there would be no photo pit. There would be no, you know, photographers allowed in the pit because these guys do stage diving. You know, Tyler, the creator, had a busted leg before the show, and he had it in cast. And he was still catapulting himself. They're smashing mics, you know, getting everybody riled up. And There know, was also and, a story so, prior that the um, newspapers... Um, we're not allowed to cover them because of the bad press that they received prior to coming to Chicago. Yeah, they, you know, they, 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 they're definitely causing a stir in their lyrics. You know, they demand a, a conversation, you know, about what they're rapping about. They have a lot of violence, like I said earlier, about violence towards women, you know, the rape and, you know, all these, you know, these lyrics. And, you know, he's kind of speaking his mind and, you know, being violent, telling these crazy stories. And, you know, you expect somebody saying something like that, you know. I mean, he just turned 20 years old, so he's been a, you know, he's a teenager. Tyler, the creator, coming out of, you know, his, his upbringing, he's got these stories. He's definitely got something there to, to say, you know, something to, to do. But he's really not doing it in any way that's really creative. And if he's going to be saying these things, you know, I think everybody expects him to be able to articulate or, you know, kind of explain himself. You know, and he has done in some New York Times articles, but coming to Pitchfork... They were not talking to any Chicago media. No, nobody. Nobody was allowed to interview them and all this kind of stuff, which I thought was kind of lame, kind of interesting that they had all this hype, you know, all, all this hype going on before the show, but they can't make time to really talk about what they're doing and, you know, they'll make time to make cupcakes and hand it out to the people as like a ha-ha, you know, middle finger, ha-ha, we'll, you know, we'll give you cupcakes, but we'll still, you know, say bitch and you know, all this other kind of stuff on stage, and it's, I actually had more fun watching the crowd watch the band, you know, in some instances, because some of these lyrics, and, and just the, the you know, the, it's a new type of genre, you know, genre music, all this kind of stuff, so I had more fun watching the fans watch them than actually the band, it's not amazing. very impressed with Odd Future Live. Sure, and it's amazing how the crowd really mimicked the band. You know, the fans really mimic the band this time. And you don't always see that. Sometimes you do. But it's like the 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 artists were so angry and so upset and were, you know, throwing these lyrics out there and rowdy and, you know, loud. And, and it was interesting because, like I said, there were people next to me in fights. And they, like, they were going, to, they right. were threatening each other. They were going to attack I, each I, other. I, so, it was, it was, it was, you know, it's interesting how the fans, they reacted to what was going on on stage. Yeah, kind of mirroring or whatever. Mirroring, you yeah. know, interesting behavior, right? I, I thought it was fascinating. I, I thought it was something where I could, you know, kind of. A lot of times I'll look at a crowd and I'll kind of try to write about the crowd and how they're responding to it. And, and I had a actually had a hard time writing the review for this show just because there was such a 
you know, a, a difficult, complex thing going on between the fans, what Odd Future was doing, and just really understanding like what I thought about the performance. You know, I really struggled with the review. So um, you guys can read all that. We have it posted on the uh, on the blog. But one of the other things that we did at Pitchfork, besides survive the Odd Future show, you know, we saw Toon Yards, uh, Meryl uh, Gibbard, fantastic. She, she's awesome. I definitely want to check her out. And get into her, you know, get into her music if you haven't heard about it. It's Tune Yards. We'll have links, all that kind of stuff in the show notes. Uh, but one of the things we, we did do, uh, we came across uh, one fan, as we heard in the beginning, uh, started a, a Harry Potter call and response uh, on Friday night. You know, Harry Potter had a uh, debut midnight, de- midnight showing Thursday night. And uh, I was sitting in the, in the photo pit. And somebody starts a shout out, so we captured a little bit of that. There's a video that we have posted on the blog, and oddly enough, and this never really, this this never happens. Just so you guys know, I wouldn't say never, but it's very rare. I posted it on YouTube and kind of uh, got the conversation started, and then uh, uh, you know, 24 hours later, I get an email message uh, saying that someone has posted a comment on on the video, and lo and behold, it's actually uh, the person. You know, the individual, uh, his name is Gideon, actually posted a, a response saying that he saw the video that I posted. And so I reached out to him, and we had that interview. We, had a, we, we talked with, uh, with Gideon uh, about his experience, and he actually does uh, some social experiments of his own. So we, we talked with him. We're going to have that interview uh, in just a moment. And then we also have another bonus interview for you guys. While we were there at Pitchfork, uh, we had a chance to uh, hang out with some of our friends, and one of my friends there, his name is Tyler Dunn, and uh, he's also a concert photographer. He works as a uh, graphic designer uh, for, you know, some inter- uh, interactive agencies developing mobile apps. So we we you know uh, we went to a place called Kuma's uh, this past week and sat down and talked with Tyler about his Pitchfork experience, what he thought about the mobile app, and what he thought about Pitchfork. Because uh, him and his friend uh, Jason uh, were doing some interesting uh, fashion experiments, right? Colleen, they were kind of telling you a, a little bit about that. Yeah, they're you know? they're trying to see um, if any of the fashions from last year were like still in play. Right. You know what kind of fashions still stuck. Right. Right with uh, um, the fans, and uh, I, it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say and and um, kind of what. If they continue to follow this, what the other pitchforks will hold. But there is a, there definitely are fashion trends that happen um, with concert fans and definitely at festivals. Right, Tyler Dunn, uh, he's he's one of my good friends and he's a he's a big uh, heavy metal fan. So he's been telling me about this place called Kuma's Corner in Chicago, and it's it's a, a heavy metal um, bar and restaurant that serves burgers named after heavy metal bands. So I've been salivating for the last three years about the Mastodon Burger. You know, the, the heavy metal band Mastodon has their own burger with barbecue sauce, onions, and bacon on it. Fantastic. So after after that, we sat. You know, I we did an interview with uh, with Tyler, talked with him about all these kind of stuff. So we're gonna have that also later on in the show. You guys want definitely want to check that out. Um, he, Tyler talks about his top five experiences. Um, and he talks about Nine Inch Nails, what he loved and learned about Nine Inch Nails, seeing Feist, uh, his first time seeing Metallica, and uh, I know you guys are definitely going to love that. So um, we got a great show uh, here for you guys today. It's a 
uh, a little bit longer than normal, but uh, you're definitely going to want to uh, listen through the whole thing because there's uh, some great stories and some really uh, some funny stories that uh, Tyler and uh, our friend uh, Gideon are uh, going to share with you guys. So before we get into the uh, the Harry Potter details on the Harry Potter shout out at Pitchfork, uh, we got some concert news uh, for you guys. It's uh, we got three top stories that have kind of um, piqued our interest. You know they're there's stories, you know, obviously, you know, the Amy Winehouse one, I guess there's four, but, you know, Amy Winehouse, we're not going to get into it a whole bunch here. We're going to actually do a separate show, uh, a little bit more in depth on that, but, you know, we're sorry to hear, obviously, it, uh, we saw Amy Winehouse live in Lollapalooza 2007, and, you know, it's terrible that, you know, she did die and, and, and that whole thing, but um, we're going to get into that in a different show. It's a, it, it's a bigger topic. Um, but the the other shows, uh, the other concert news we have for you guys is um, there's these two uh, fan sites that have recently popped up, and they're 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 interesting because they're proposing you know they're propo- um, proposing to be the voice of the fans. But you know as we have reported on Live Fix, you know these these fan sites are actually have connections to Live Nation, you know the world's largest concert promoter, you know and some other. Um, groups that make you think that are you know makes you make you question are these fan sites really for fans uh, or are they really just you know fronts for these two promoters um, StubHub you know online ticket owned by eBay and Live Nation kind of going head to head you know about you know trying to get support for Congress using these fan sites as lobbying fronts you know for it so. That's that's an interesting topic. We have uh, links to all that kind of stuff more more on the blog. But we, we want to hear what you guys think about that. You know, um, and anyone that's know. that was directly uh, making some of those decisions and knows a little bit more about the backstory, please. We'd love to hear you. Um, we'd love to get some even tweets, or um, we'd love to interview you for this podcast. Yeah. So go, you go to livefixblog.com, click on concert news, and all these news news stories will. Uh, we'll be there. We'll also have them in the show notes, so you guys can click right uh, right to them and uh, and you know and enjoy those. So the next uh, next news item here. This is again we don't like reporting on these kind of things, but it happens and it's important that we do. Uh, last uh, last week, um, a uh, concert fan was assaulted at a Tim McGraw concert, hmm. um, and forty eight hours, seventy two hours later, uh, six. Um, six kids or six uh, teenagers, college students were um, arraigned and charged with the brutal beating of a concert fan at Tim McGraw concert in, in Massachusetts. So this this is kind of interesting because there's there's some twists of the story. They had when they um, identified him, he was beaten within you know inches of his life. They had to, he had to have his spleen removed, and you know had to do a, a spleen uh, transplant. And now, and were these guys who didn't know each other prior They didn't know to the each show? other. They say that the, that the fight, uh, you know, there was alcohol involved. And what was interesting in the story is that when he was beaten so badly, they could not identify him at first because he had a fake ID. Hmm, okay. So he was actually 19 years old, and he had a uh, ID that, that said he was 23 years old and, you know, went to a different college than when he was actually at. So... Here he is, you know, this fan beaten within inches of his life, and they had a hard time, you know, they had difficulty identifying him, 
because he had a fake ID. So there was underage drinking issues going on with this thing, and you know, and apparently, uh, based off of some of the local news reports, you know, there's uh, also some connections with, you know, the the people who started the fight have a history of DUIs. You know, he's been on probation, also all their kind of stuff. So there's some twist on that. And last time we reported on it, the, he was recovering. You know, he was still the, the fan that was beaten was. Uh, was recovering so okay. but well uh, our, you know our prayers go out to him and his family and hopefully uh he's got a speedy recovery and can continue to go to more shows you know that he will be able to kind of work through this and um i also it's interesting that you brought that up because there's also another story um just recently uh in ohio a man um kills one and hurts three near an outdoor concert it's hmm. actually a concert where was that, that at um, in Cleveland, a man fired several shots from a handgun in a fight near an outdoor concert in Cleveland that featured the funk artist George Clinton, uh, we've which seen, we've seen. Yeah. Um, we saw him at summer camp a few years ago. Yeah. Um, killing a 16-year-old boy and wounding three other people, the police said Sunday. The fight erupted before 10 p.m. Saturday at an intersection near Luke Easter Park, where the 8th Annual Unity um, in the Park Festival was held. The police did not get, get give a give a description of the gunman, and they said that no arrest hmm. had been made. It was unclear how long after Mr. Clinton or other musicians had performed that the shooting happened or what prompted it. The police said they did not know if those involved in the fight were among concertgoers leaving the area. That's interesting because you know one of the things that came to mind when I read these stories. You know we've re- we've reported on these stories many times on Life Fix about fans. Hmm you know, doing bad things, you know, harming other concert fans or, you know, doing things that, you know, are obviously terrible, you know. And I'm sitting here reading the stories and I'm wondering what causes fans to do this. You know, what is it? Obviously, there's, you know, there's you know, drugs, alcohol, emotions. Excitement. Emotions. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've kind of, we, we, we've begun to explore emotions on, on a previous podcast. And I think those three things together create this you know this situation so you know again we're not going to get into it this show but that's something that we're, we're going to definitely take a little bit more look in you know not just report on these stories uh, you know of these sensational stories these tragic stories but really kind of understand what makes them happen i think we have to look at to what what they bring to the show you know did they have a fight with a family member before are they struggling with a loss of a loved one are they struggling with addiction are they struggling with anger issues like what are they bringing uh, you know to a show you know and I think that's always important and um, you know even uh, with anyone that you know goes to school or goes to work or um, you know raises a family what are they are they able to you know are they bringing their emotions and are they bringing the pain and all that into that And if they are how is that affecting their experience doing those things and I think that's very similar with a concert yeah, we're going to get into all that stuff on a previous podcast. I think it definitely warrants, you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk to some people more about this and, you know, talk with some other fans, see what everybody's thinking about it, you know, kind of like make a little bit more sense about it, you know, make more sense of it because it's just, it's, the, the, these situations happen all the time and, you know, there's a pattern that's, I'm seeing a pattern develop, you know, with these things and I've seen those three elements come to rise. So we're going to take a little, a little deeper look at it you know, on some future podcasts because I think it's it's time we did that, you know. 
I think it's, it, uh, it warrants it. So the last news story that we have has recently developed over the last 72 hours, and that involves Kings of Leon. Oh, Kings of Leon. You know, they, I personally think they're cursed. They're, they're, there's something going on because in the last year, they have had to endure um, pigeons that have, you know, pooped on their show so bad that they had to stop their show in St. Louis almost a year to the date that happened back last year. So they, they, they're playing show in St. Louis and, and birds start to just poop on them and they had to stop the show because of that. Was that the Birds concert review? I don't know. But there were some angry birds out there that didn't like Kings of Leon, and they were able to stop the show. And then uh, later in December, their tour bus catches on fire while they're uh, trying to play London. So they had to cancel that show. And then a little bit later, they get ready to start to play Australia, and their drummer hurts his arm, he rips a muscle, and they have to cancel their tour for the next three months. And then they try and play a show... Couple. You really have to cancel a show because of a drummer? Well, what are you going like, to do? What do you think this is, Smashing Pumpkins and they're they just going like to use a drum machine? Or what? travel with them that can just pop in or, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a studio drummer? I don't know. Maybe maybe they, uh, you know, could use a session drummer. Is that what you're saying? I'm just thinking uh, maybe they know. could these, find a local these are the guy, follow throw brothers, them in though. there. I mean, sure. These are the follow brothers. There's a close connection. You just can't have... You know, Sam off the street, jump in and, and play with sure. these guys. Sure, there's mean, a there's, talent. There's a special you know. talent. Yeah, so last uh, this past Friday night, they actually had a situation come up where Jared Fowle uh, came on and, you know, he, um, I'm sorry, actually, uh, Caleb Fowle uh, went on a, a, a rant, allegedly a drunken rant, saying some things that was that were pretty on stage. On stage, yeah. We have a YouTube video uh, of that, and we also have some fans that have uh, dropped some comments uh, on the post that I, I uh, had, had published. You know, fans were actually at the, you know, this happened in Dallas. So not only did he say some things on stage he may regret, but it's broadcasted all over the internet, World Wide Web. So yeah. anyone can listen to it, and they can keep replaying it over and over well, again. Well, that's the thing, is that all these situations, like you can, you can, you can watch the birds pooping on them, you can, you know, read about the, you know, it's just this, like, it's this black cloud that's following Kings of Leon. Are they the, you know, are they a, a self-fulfilled prophecy? Are they bringing these things upon themselves? You know, are they angering birds to poop on them? Are they, you know, setting fire, you know, sabotaging their own tour bus? You know, what's going on here with this? So, anyways, Kings of Leon, you know, I'm, you know, kind of concerned for them. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about this story is that, the uh, brother, uh, Jared, took to Twitter to talk about some things that happened because one of the, the, the quote with, uh, with Caleb, what he said was, I'm going to go backstage, you know, and uh, drink a beer and vomit. And I'll be back. He never came back to the stage. And Jared had to come out and say something. And he took to Twitter and he basically said that there are bigger things, you know, that we had to deal with before you know, besides making sure we drink enough Gatorade for the show. He said that because Caleb Fowle said that he was hot. You know, mm -hmm. it was so hot, and they had to stop the exhaustion. So there's obviously something going on with the band. We're not quite sure. They're not telling the details. But all these things keep happening, and I'm just wondering. I hope we don't have another Amy Winehouse situation, you know, with, with that. So I'm just thinking of, 
you know, addiction, you know, is there a drug, you know, alcohol problem going on here? I hope those guys, you know, we hope the best for them to figure figure that stuff out. So we'll keep we'll keep you guys updated on the uh, Kings of Leon saga. Uh, Leon, is it Leon? No, it's Leon, right? So you say Leon, it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leon, like my uncle Leon. No, but anyways, that does it for the news segment. So. It's time for Harry Potter. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Death. Is it Deathly Hallows Part Two? Is that the right? I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but what you guys are about to hear now is how one concert fan, our good friend Gideon, went and tested the Pitchfork crowd. On you know he he's got a very interesting concept here. So here's the interview with Gideon and. Once we're done with that, we'll come back and we'll share another story with our good friend Tyler. So, thank you guys for for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you in just a bit. Come on, let's sing along. Come on, you guys. I know a girl who reminds me of Cher. She's always changing. You don't use nothing, but you buy at the store. She likes her hair to be real on Jesus. All right, uh, Gideon, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us on the uh, on the podcast here, and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about. I know that uh, you had come across the you know the the YouTube video. You said you were uh, looking you know looking for some pitchfork videos. Kind of kind of tell me a little bit about you know what your what your experience was like there. You know uh, at the at the festival. It's pretty uh, it's pretty funny what you what you started. So kind of uh, tell us the story of how how you uh, started doing that that uh, Harry Potter. Well, um, a couple of friends and I had gone to the midnight showing of Harry Potter, I think, like, the night before, um, and we just, like, were feeding off of the energy in the theater and got these chants going for, like, about an hour before the movie started because we knew people were so excited. And uh, the next day, we were at Pitchfork, and there was the same type of feeling when we were waiting for shows that, like, you know, there's just a massive crowd of people, and you feed off the excitement, and, like, you can kind of get them to chant whatever you want. I thought, like, why not try Harry Potter again? It kind of works for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. And then the uh, you know the chant kind of moved into a chant for water, so it was kind of uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, it like that. it morphs really quick and everything. <laughs> so have you uh, have you done anything like that before? You know, at a at a concert or or is that the, your first time or? 
Yeah, I, well, I think, uh, I don't know, like, concerts, it's such, like, a good communal experience that everyone has such, like, you know, they're so positive about everything that, like, you can kind of yell whatever you want and people tend to, like, go along with it or something. It's just fun to hear, like, everyone's reaction. So, yeah, we've tried, like, all kinds of stuff before and it's just, I, I like to hear, like, the crowd's reaction and stuff. It's kind of fun. Nice. What, what are some of the other chants that you guys have, you know, that have done that uh, have gone over well or maybe didn't uh, didn't pan out the way that you expected? Um, it's mostly, like... Like expletives and stuff, and just like uh, I don't know, like weird inside jokes and stuff like that. And like it's just uh, I don't know, like the the Harry Potter thing. I felt just like really caught on because either, like I think it was before James Blake or something, and like uh, I thought it would appeal to like the people that had a British sensibility, and then also like the movie had just come out, so it kind of worked. Yeah, nice, nice. So you, so you're actually, uh, you, you're, you're interested in testing out uh, uh, fan behavior as well. So uh, what, are, you know, what have you learned the most about, you know, testing, testing those things out, and you know, what, what works to get a crowd, uh, you know, responsive. You know, is it what you're saying? Is it how you're saying it? Like, what have you, what have you kind of learned the most about, you know, crowd, crowd behavior in that way? Um, I think that. Well, I guess like one thing that is kind of obvious that could be said about you know any show is that the crowd kind of makes it what it is. Mm-hmm. So like you know that show, that James Blake show, was unbelievably relaxed and everything. And then, for instance, like the Odd Future show on Sunday was completely out of control, and it all depends on crowd. And then it's kind of like as an individual, you know, you can like feed off of that, I guess. And you know, get get them like riled up and everything to make the show more exciting for everyone and stuff. When did when did you first start doing that? Was there a, a, a you know kind of a like a spontaneous moment where you just decided to start doing it, or was it something that you kind of like planned out ahead of time, or? Um, you mean like the Harry Potter thing, or just like in general? Yeah, just just in general. It sounds like you've you know you've done this before, and you know you you enjoy doing it, and it's it's pretty an interesting little uh, experiment that you've done. So I was wondering if you know like what was the, what was it like the first time, and kind of you know what uh, how have you developed it? You know, I can't I can't exactly remember one instance that I started it, and you know like when it dawned on me or whatever. But um, no, I've always thought like that concerts are some of the best places where everybody can just simply get along with one another because you're all there for a singular purpose and that's just to see the show and stuff um and yeah and then it's just like kind of fun to get everybody into like one one thing or like one chant or something like no matter how silly it is and then there's also the whole concept of kind of mob mentality, I guess, and, like, how, you know, you get people into a group and they kind of act differently than they do on their own. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Have you tried it? Have you tried this? Uh, you, you, you said you were uh, doing it in the theater uh, at the Harry Potter movie, and then you tried it at Pitchfork. Have you tried this at any other, any other places, you know, public places or anything else that you kind of, like, tested against or you kind of were surprised by um, what you did? I don't know, because, like, I feel like in a lot of other public places, people would push you, like, you're completely insane. And, <laughs> you know, you guys, obviously I got some of those looks at Pitchfork, too, but they're, they're less, uh, 
aggressive about it because everybody's like excited and stuff. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure it would work in other public places. Like, like if you try it in the library or something, that would feel like it's complete failure. Nice. Did you did you try any other shows at Pitchfork? Um, you know, we might have. I'm not sure that that I remember necessarily, but there was, there was definitely this kind of like idea the whole weekend of like let's try to see what we can get people to stay and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always just reverted back to Harry Potter because we thought that that moment in the theater was so funny. It literally was just me and two other guys and then we realized the whole theater was saying the exact thing that we were saying and it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, It's pretty funny. I, I thought it was hilarious. You know, it just kind of like popped up and, you know, happened uh, in the way, the way it did, you know, with uh, with you guys at the in the uh, in the pit there, a couple yeah the, uh, <laughs> the front row. So, uh, what did you what were what were some of your favorite favorite shows at Pitchfork? What uh, what did you walk away with? Like you know what uh, you know any new favorite bands or what you what did you think of the whole the whole uh, weekend? Um, this was the first time I'd gone, uh, so I thought it was amazing. Like I really I like the experience and everything, and it's uh, it's really different than all the music because the area is so much smaller. Um, but like particular shows that I liked, I was really surprised by uh, No Age on Saturday because I didn't know them all that well, but they just had this amazing show that was just like nonstop moshing and excitement and stuff. Um, and then uh, they were all great. I think Rafiq uh, on the radio did an amazing job closing out too. I, I love the whole thing. Nice. So this was your first time going, you said then, right? Yeah, yeah. This was the first year I'd ever gone. Nice. So you're uh, you're from Oak Park. Uh, did you grow up in uh, in the Chicago area? Have you got, have you been to other other uh, concerts or you know other other venues? Uh, you know that you kind of comparing your Pitchfork experience to, or you know some other uh, concert experiences that you've had before. I'm actually, I just moved here last year. I uh, I came from Cincinnati, but I'm gonna go to Northwestern next year. Um, and uh, so most of like, you know, festival experience has kind of been Lollapalooza because me and some friends used to come up to that a lot. And you know, now that it's here, I'm gonna go again and everything. So yeah, that's festival wise, that's like the only thing I have to compare. Um, Cause I haven't gotten to Bonner yet. But, um, yeah, in terms of, like, local places and stuff for shows, I, I really like the Congress Theater. Um, I haven't been to too many others yet, but I like what, I like the intimacy of Union Park, I guess, because it's, uh, it's a lot more compact and you can get to the stages and everything more easily. Hmm. Nice, nice. So, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. So you're actually, you're from, uh, from Cincinnati then. Uh, have you, uh, you know, to some shows. What's the what's the concert scene like? Uh, you know, out there. I've, I'm from Chicago and I haven't had a chance to to be you know in in Cincinnati. What uh, what's what's the live music scene like that? You know, out there. It, uh, it kind of blows in comparison, honestly. Because like if you you know like uh, I think the big bands if they're gonna stop in a midwestern place, it's gonna be here and mm-hmm. definitely not Cincinnati. So it's just kind of like there's a lot more opportunity here and obviously there's no big festivals and stuff like that in Cincinnati but there's some there's some good local acts I think hmm cool cool what uh, 
What, what are some of your favorite, you know, concert experiences that uh, you know you've had that you know you keep going back to, or maybe you bought a, you know, like a live CD of, of that show, or you just like, what are some of your favorite concerts that you've ever been to? Um, there's so many, but if I had to choose one, um, we went to this festival called Forecastle in Louisville. Um, and the Flaming Lips played, mm. and we were in the front, and we didn't really know that this was like their normal policy, but they choose dancers from the crowd to go on stage with them. So we were just, you know, enjoying the fact that we were there, got a good spot, and it's the Flaming Lips and all that. And then this guy just comes around and gives us these dancer passes, uh, and he tells us, you gotta go line up, you know, like an hour before their set to go and dance on stage. And we, we were completely and then, uh, you know, we go to the back and they give us these, like, Yo Gabba Gabba suits that everybody's supposed to wear. And we got to dance on stage for the whole show and then meet Wayne afterwards. So, yeah, that was probably the best for sure. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the Flaming Lips a couple times live, and I know that they have, they actually, you know, they do do that for fans. So you actually had a chance to go up on stage then and, and uh, kind of randomly have that experience, huh? Yeah, no, it was unbelievable. Like, uh, we, we were just excited to see them because, you know, obviously they have, like, amazing theatrics when they perform and stuff. But, yeah, getting to go up and be there was amazing. Wow. Wow. So, what, uh, you know, obviously you have that kind of experience, and then, you know, you've probably been to shows after that. Like, how did, how did uh, you know, how does that rank, you know, or, you know, do you kind of measure other shows against that experience or what, you know, what kind of goes on in your mind, you know, when you're thinking about that? Um, it's tough to say because, you know, it's such a unique experience, like, being the Flaming Lips, like, you know, they, they outperform a lot of other bands and stuff, but, um, I guess it's just a lot about, like, the energy that the person can bring to the show. It's like, I feel like, uh, Odd Future at, like, at this work was definitely not the best of the weekend. It may have been the most memorable just because of their energy and the way they got the crowd involved and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot, a lot of it, uh, you know, depends on, you know, the, the response and they just, you know, they kind of mix the, you know, the hip hop and the punk rock, you know, to, uh, right. you know, together, you know, with, uh, with that, uh, what, uh, what did you think about, you know, during the, during the Odd Future set, you know, um, had you, had you listened to their music before and, and you kind of knew what, what they were about or was that your first chance to kind of see them, you know, for the first time, like overall? Well, I had heard a lot of this stuff before and I kind of had, um, mixed feelings about him because I honestly like listening to them but there's a whole you know like the fact of like what they talk about and everything and how it can be kind of I don't know like it's it's like not it's really offensive um so there was kind of that aspect and then at the same I thought that they were like mostly hyped for a while just because they're really good at self-promotion um but then the show, I thought, kind of lived up to their expectation and, you know, was fitfully crazy and stuff, so I like that. <laughs> nice. So, the, uh, so you went, you went, sounds like you went to Pitchfork with uh, a couple other people? Yeah, just a group of guys from Cincinnati and then some people from around here and stuff. There's like a, it, it seemed at one point that, like, I knew everybody there. It's kind of crazy. 
Nice, nice. So do you guys, uh, do you have a, a normal group of friends that you you go to shows with, or has that changed from show to show, or you know how does how do you guys do the whole you know because you know some fans go to go to shows with you know like concert buddies or you know stuff like that. Uh, do you guys normally go to shows together, or is that kind of change, or you know how's how's that? Uh, it it kind of like the group varies based on how much money we have, I guess. <laughs> like uh, like kind of everybody wants to go, and a lot of other people wanted to come up to pitch for it, but just didn't have the money and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's a big group and people shift in and out and stuff. Cool, nice. Now you said you're you're, uh, you're in uh, school right now, or you're you're going to be starting at Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, in September. Nice. So you're. Uh, are you tra- uh, transferring currently transferring schools, or how did you? Uh, are you uh, just starting college right now, or you know, kind of? Can you tell us? Yeah, I'm just kind of where you're at right now, or I'm just about to start actually, like as a freshman. Okay, great, great. And what uh, what are you studying at Northwestern? Um, that's, that's a good question. I, I put like journalism on my application. Um, but I wanted to kind of integrate it with like the film program or something. Because hmm. uh, I guess journalism would be the more career oriented choice and film is more of what I want to do maybe. But yeah, I'm just going to kind of feel it out and see where it goes. Oh, nice. So you, so you, uh, you have an interest in, you know, in, in writing and kind of, uh, you know, writing about news, or are you interested in like music journalism, or do you do you read a lot of different reviews or that kind of stuff? Yeah, I love reviewing. Honestly, I think it's like really uh, fun to just write about music and stuff like that, and like kind of like what you do with concert experiences and everything. It's just uh, yeah, that's that's a great topic to write about, and I don't know, like a lot of creative writing and stuff. But um, in terms of journalism, like. I really, really like reviews, and I don't know. I think it's like something I revert to all the time when I want to like learn about new music. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity, and you know, it would be uh, be great to have you. We'd love to have you, you know, contribute to Live Fix and kind of you know share your uh, you know your different experiences. And if you're going to continue to do those uh, those shout outs and kind of experiment with that, we'd love to you know, have you follow up with with different. Uh, Different findings and kind of what uh, be interested. You know, if you go to other shows, you know, maybe a, a punk show or a metal show or something like that, and try it out on different, uh, you know, different crowds, different different chants. It'd be great to have you, you know, contribute that. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. I, I think it's really really interesting just to see how like people react and stuff. Like, it's a lot of fun for me. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good. So. Um, so we talked about you know about Harry Potter and we talked about different uh, you know Pitchfork you know you know experiences. So if you were to put Harry Potter you know the movie you saw on Friday and then Pitchfork as a whole, you know how would you compare those two those two experiences? You know do you, do you enjoy Harry Potter more, Pitchfork more? Or, you know how would you how would you compare those those two experiences? Um, I think I think, uh, I think Pitchfork kind of blew it out of the water honestly. Because, um, like, I'm not, like, crazy about Harry Potter, but it was just the whole thing about being there with all these other people that were crazy about it. And uh, it was kind of fun to, like, see people, like, crying and, like, going insane over the movie ending and everything like that. So, but, yeah, overall, Pitchfork was definitely a better experience, I'd say. And, like, definitely, had, like, a more tiring one, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, the heat was 
was pretty uh, pretty brutal with uh, with that. So yeah, that, that last day was killing. Like Sunday was honestly like really bad for a while. Like I saw tons of people fainting and stuff. Oh really? You, you saw? I saw them handing out tons of water. I mean, they gave out over like twenty-four thousand bottles of water or something like that over the weekend. And you saw some people yeah. that were that were that were fainting during the show, or? Oh yeah, yeah. They got. I saw a lot of people getting pulled out, and then uh, they have to put them down on the ground and like spray water in their face to wake them up and stuff. It was nuts. And I mean, it makes sense because there were so many people crowded in there, and it was really, really hot. Yeah. Was that a, uh, like a specific show, or is that kind of all all around? Um, I think probably like the worst stuff happened at Oxy Street because there was a, uh, you know, that part of the afternoon, the other shows weren't like the other people weren't quite as big, I guess, and there was a lot of hype surrounding that show, and like mm-hmm. so many people were there, and they got way more security guards just for that show than like the other shows at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It gets it gets pretty uh, pretty nuts in that, uh, that 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 front row area, you know, for for photographers because yeah. they weren't they weren't letting any. There was no photo pit for that for those guys. Um, my wife Colleen was shooting pictures for for the for the whole festival, and there was no there was no photo pit uh, for for those guys. And she was up against that that uh, railing, and guys were hoisting themselves off of her shoulders and and stuff. So it was. Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty nuts. So, were, were you doing some crowd surfing during during the set? I, I actually didn't get to crowd surf because I was literally in the front row. So it's kind of like uh, I could hardly like get out even. So I left. Like I wanted to go catch uh, Shabazz house, and so I left about halfway through the set. Mm. But I literally could not move. And if I was gonna move, it was just gonna be to get out. And like I didn't get a chance to crowd surf. Oh, nice. So, if there was one thing that uh, you know, you had, sounds like you had a great time at Pitchfork. Is if there's one thing that you know you could improve, uh, you know, about your experience, or you know, maybe you know something you didn't like about it that you wish that you know did happen. Like, what what would that be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I thought it was run like really smoothly, to be honest. Because like I never had security guards be that conscientious about the water, you know, because, like, I feel like um, I've been at a lot of shows where heat has been a factor, and they have not been that good about it and getting it out so quickly and getting it to whoever wanted it, but um, I don't know. One day I had I had problems bringing in my camera, uh, and that was kind of obnoxious, but it made sense because they have a camera policy, but the day before... I brought it in, uh, and the one person didn't say anything, so I don't know. Hmm. So nothing, nothing, nothing really. Just you, that you would really change about it, or you know, kind of, you know, improve about it. Then just, just that. Um, maybe. I mean, I don't know what what else they can do with that area, but like, I know the one stage was way farther away than the other two. I think it was blue. That was way far down in the park mm-hmm. so I mean they could maybe try to bring it closer but the thing is like then I guess sound would be a factor and they'd be overlapping and stuff but um no honestly I thought it was like a really well run festival they did a good job cool cool so uh last uh last question for you so you know, you had as long as you had an awesome time at Pitchfork, and you know it was hilarious with the the Harry Potter shout out and and everything, and how you found it. You know, you 
con- you actually contacted me on. Uh, I guess we could, we should kind of tell the story a little bit that you know I posted it, and a lot of times I'll post stuff and. You know, fans won't necessarily, you know, find that. So it was it's a pretty, pretty rare thing that, uh, you know, that you found it and contacted me back. And here we are, you know, talking about, you know, your uh, your experience. Um, and I was wondering if, if you could talk a little bit about how, you know, you had this experience, you know, and how has it, it really changed your life, you know, outside of, you know, the actual weekend. You know, you've probably thought about it during the week, you know, in different ways, like, how did the how did the whole you know experience like really change your life? You know, like was there something that happened in your mind or you know you're thinking about and you know was there was there any like big thing that changed you know changed your life like during the show or you know after afterwards? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's like life changing as of yet, but I mean, it was just I mean, it was cool. Like everybody kind of wants to be. Uh, you know, like a ham for attention sometimes, and like it was, it was cool, honestly, to like be flipping through videos on YouTube and like find myself and my friends were laughing at it and stuff. So that was that was awesome. But um, yeah, no, I mean it's just like it's fun after these shows to like go and try to find yourself uh, in photos that like the press took and stuff like that. And yeah, this was the the funniest and best discovery of being at a show before. <laughs> cool. So do you, do you think that the the press does a good, you know, a good job at telling the fan stories as opposed to just focusing on what's going on on stage? Do you wish that the press would do, you know, more telling of the fan stories versus the music stories, or do you do you don't care either way, or you know, what, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, I'm not sure it matters all that much either way because you're gonna like, I think you're gonna walk away from it and have. Like, you know, your experience isn't going to be changed all that much if somebody gets a photo of you or not. But, um, yeah, it's always, I think it's always good to hear the fans' opinions and stuff like that because, like, that's ultimately what makes the show. And, you know, Pitchfork would be nothing without people going to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe some more, like, interviews and stuff would be kind of cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you like, hearing about other you know, how other fans, you know, experience the show? Like, is that something that really, like, you usually enjoy doing that, or is it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I like, to, I mean, it's good to hear feedback from the people themselves. And, I mean, you can watch, you know, videos of the performers and stuff and kind of get what's going on, but if you hear it from word of mouth, actual person that was there, then it's all the more interesting, I guess. Cool. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great having you having you on the show, Gideon. And I think that uh, we're definitely gonna have to. We'd love to have you back on the show. And you know, if you're gonna, uh, sounds like you'll you'll be going to a lot more concerts. And you know, hopefully you'll be doing some more of the uh, the different uh, shout out, call and response, uh, human behavioral uh, testing um, for us. So we'd love to have you. You know, as a uh, as a fan uh, correspondent, uh, you know, reporting back in and letting us know, you know, how those uh, how those go. I know I'd be interested to know how how those turn out. You know, as we continue to we're doing some experiments, and it'd be great to have you, you know, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you're what you're discovering about uh, concert fan behavior. So it's been uh, been great having you on the show, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll check back with you and everything. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Thanks for having me. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Hello and welcome back. It was uh, 
pretty cool chat with uh, with Gideon. Hope we uh, see a lot more of him uh, at concerts. I think he's got some uh, great ideas. What do you think, Colleen, about how to do these uh, little social experiments? Yeah, sure. I mean, it works at uh, sporting events. Why not uh, <laughs> concert uh, shows, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's a great, uh, great experiment. So um, now we're going to get into uh, our chat with Tyler Dunn, uh, my good friend Tyler. And this chat took place uh, just after we went to Kumas. A little quick note about Kumas here. I know Tyler goes into a little bit more, but. Um, if you haven't been there, you should go there. If you love burgers, you love heavy metal, and you love a place that really personifies that whole genre and just gives you uh, excellent gourmet hamburgers. I had the Mastodon Burger at Kuma's, and I had some raspberry uh, pop or whatever, some some custom drinks there. Great stuff, great place. I've definitely got to go back there again. Uh, go check it out. It's in Chicago on the corner of, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're going to have links to the to the Kumas anyways on the, on the uh, livefixblog.com, so go check it out there. Quick note about the audio on this uh, this, this interview. Uh, it, it is a little uh, hard to hear us at certain points, so I do want to kind of apologize for that. Um, we were recording outside, and there was a storm brewing as we were talking, so there's a little bit of thunder in uh, kind of the right places, but um, lo and behold, uh, it's a great interview, and um, hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, stay tuned. We'll uh, play some play some music for you guys uh, about some of the bands that Tyler talks about, and um, we'll catch you in just a minute. Welcome to a uh, special edition of Live Fix Podcast. We are uh, on a very you know, special edition here. We're actually just coming outside of uh, uh, Kuma's. I'm here with uh, my good friend uh, Tyler. Tyler Dunn. Tyler, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you for uh, joining me at Kuma's. You are went in a boy, you came out a man. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like I have undergone some type of uh, conversion experience. I mean, I, my, my belly is like poking out. Oh yeah, and yeah. Kumas. We should tell everybody what a little bit about Kumas. Uh, you're you're a huge heavy metal fan. Absolutely. Why don't you give everybody a little shout out about Kumas? Because right. this is my first time there, and I had the Mastodon Burger, and I just have to say that it was it was freaking amazing. And I mean, the best so, part you have probably 15 other solid options to choose from, all delicious. So for the uh, for the layperson, for the uneducated, Kumas is this. Uh, bar slash restaurant here in uh, beautiful Chicago, Illinois, and uh, their whole thing is that they are pretty much all metal all the time, 
you walk in, they play nothing but metal. Um, occasionally on the TV behind the bar, they play movies, but they're only like awesome B movies. I mean, we're talking like Death Race 2000, uh, Kill Bill, Dawn of the Dead, you know, things of that like. And then on top of it, they have nothing but burgers on the menu, or, or at least as main entrees. There's a few appetizers that are not burgers, but the main feature is burgers. All the burgers are named after like metal bands and it, it's amazing to see because a lot of the bands are you know recognizable ones your metallicas your iron maidens there's a slayer but there's also like a whole slew of uh lesser known metal bands that if you listen to metal regularly and are into the scene you sort of know about yeah. anyway regardless they are all absolutely delicious i have brought many a friend here on their first time to chicago and almost across the board Man, what, what, what a experience here we got a a guy warming up his bike here. I don't yeah. think it's uh, too big, but uh, yeah, Kuma's is it's quite the uh, quite the place. Oh, his bike didn't oh. <laughs> didn't start, but Sorry. anyways. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is great. The reason why we're we're here with you guys, uh, we have Tyler here with us, is that um, for the last two two years, you know, we've gone to Pitchfork, yeah, and checked it out, and of course, you've told me about Kuma's. This, this is all going to connect everybody, just in case you're wondering where, right. where the heck all this stuff is going. But uh, I've known, known Tyler for uh, the last few years, um, and uh, yeah, you've been a you've, uh, you've taken concert photography mm -hmm. yourself. You're a concert fan. Talking about Kumas a long time ago. I finally made a way. Finally made my way out here. I wish I would have got here a lot sooner. Cause I that, know that, that place is just phenomenal. I know you, you it, come here once on, and you're uh, like, what, what was I waiting for? Yeah, I, I know. Like, what? what yeah. Why, why did I wait so long? So Kumas, it's on again. It's on uh, Belmont and Elston. Belmont Est, uh, Elston in Chicago, and it's fantastic. We'll, we'll have a link to uh, to Kumas on the blog in the show notes and everything. Yeah, perfect. De de definitely, we'll we'll get all that taken care of. But um, the connection here is that uh, you know uh, Tyler and I, um, you know, we're uh, concert buddies on on one level. Yeah. And uh, we've been to Pitchfork the last couple years, and. Uh, um, you know, we've we've had a lot of fun, you know, at at the show, and I want to have Tyler on the show because he's a concert fan. He's done concert photography, and he has some very interesting perspectives on on live music. And we just wanted to have you here to kind of talk about, you know, your your favorite Pitchfork experiences, you know, concert experiences. So what uh, what what did you think of you know Pitchfork this uh, this year, and kind of you know how did it uh, how did it impact you? This year, um, it was really it was it was a good year. I don't think quite as good as past years, but um, you know, not for a specific reason. I think just generally, I've some of the bands that they've chosen to have, you know, either by choice or by you know ability to have them, have just been bands that I am a bigger fan of. I mean, having said that, there are still some absolutely amazing bands this year that I really really liked. And uh, it was a really good year. It was also an incredibly hot year. Like, it when I think Pitchfork 2011, like, steamy. the first word that comes to mind is hot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, it, was, uh, it was kind of an electrical storm uh, brewing here. So you might, hear, you might hear a little thunder and lightning, and you might, we, we might cut this short. But uh, it adds to the ambiance. Uh, <laughs> there's some thunder. So <laughs> anyways, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, Pitchfork was, it was, uh, was, was interesting this year. I think you, yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was definitely worthwhile. Um, you know, I there I discovered some new bands that I hadn't you know ever listened to before that I really liked. Um, Who would you like? Who would you walk away with that kind of uh, like like wow? You know, I like I like them and I want to hear more from them. Probably let's see, probably three bands. Um, the three biggest ones that really stick out to me: uh, James Blake, 
uh, I had heard of in name only. I had no idea what, uh, you know, what genre he was or anything. I think just due to their name sounding so similar, I think I sort of by default assumed that he was a very singer songwriter kind of guy by being so similar to James Blunt. Ah. But uh, unbeknownst to me, he is not. It was sort of, sort of. It was very much like sort of like a Billy Joel esque, like man at a piano, but if Billy Joel was somehow mashed up with dubstep. Like, that's kind of how I would describe James Blake. Um, and having said that, it was completely awesome. I was a really big fan. Um, so when you're watching James Blake, like, what kind of uh, what kind of things were you thinking about you know, during the show? Because he plays a very, you know, he, he's got a lot of melody, mm-hmm. and he, he plays that kind of music that kind of makes you kind of dip back, like, yeah, into, yeah. like into your mind. Like, can you, can you kind of share a little bit about, like, what what sort of things you were thinking about like during the show um it was like it was very yeah i mean you're right like it was a very sort of like i don't want to say mellow mellow isn't the right term but it's very much like sort of an immersive experience like sort of like i would i would describe listening to james blake live as um sort of akin to maybe like slip like sliding into like a, a warm bath like it's just very immersive it sort of like wraps around you um very very cool experience i uh Unfortunately, did I was far enough back to where I only caught like glimpses of of his band and and actual James Blake himself. But so it was more of an auditory experience as than like an auditory slash visual experience. Mm-hmm. And so like that was sort of like the soundtrack. I remember during James Blake's set, we were sort of commenting on uh, the hipster fashion of Pitchfork 2011. Yes, and I definitely want you to to explain that. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe that's a good. Uh, Good, good little segue. Yeah, yeah. Because you uh, and your uh, your friend's name, Jason. Jason. Jason Stoff. He was. Uh, you guys were doing some <laughs> very interesting uh, documentation yeah. of, of fashion. So to tell tell us what you guys were doing about that. So basically, we were just sort of a spit, we were sort of spitballing. You know, um, what what are the the Pitchfork 2011 fashion highlights? And we observed like a number of different styles across a number of different genres. But ultimately, we sort of distilled them into two buckets. So you had. Um, Yacht wear, which was huge amongst the hipsters this year. I saw a lot of got a lot of guys and girls, for that matter, wearing um, like the captain's, like the sailor, mm-hmm. sailor captain's hat, like a la captain of Captain and Tennille. Mm-hmm. I also saw a few, um, you know, like navy midshipmen's hats that kind of just like sort of sit on the back of their head, like a little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of boat shoes, a lot of um, you know, very yachty-looking like beach shorts combined with like horizontally striped tank tops. Hmm. Like, like, sort of like, like if if you took like a really preppy person from New England and rolled them through the dirt a little bit, uh-huh. and, uh huh, and you know, maybe had them not shower for four days, that was probably about like what I would liken it to. Uh-huh. Um, and then the other one was um, we put it into the bucket of Native Americans. Hmm. So lots, lot of feathers. Um, a lot, I saw a lot of people all three days wearing uh, what I described as like war paint. So basically just like splotches of bright neon paint across their face, sometimes chest, stomach, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm told that's like a Toon Yards thing. Yeah, Toon Yards was actually uh, at the blue stage. Yeah. I was able, I almost tripped on it, but uh-huh. I, I found a, a tube of paint. Yeah, yeah. So if you bought a Toon Yards album, okay. you got uh, a tube of paint. Uh, and it was actually uh, um, sunblock. Okay. And if you wore that on there, you got a discount on the album. And nice little rat. That was a nice little rat. Nice little rat just ran by. So yeah. that's awesome. That's part of doing an interview in, uh, in an alley. somewhat of an alley yeah. in Chicago. But uh, that's how we do things here at Life Fix. There's a poster over there for. 
rats. Yes, it says uh, if, you, if you feed, they breed. Yeah, I, I believe it does. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, yeah, tune yards. They were doing uh, some war paint stuff. So, yeah. So there was some there, there was some tribes. A little bit. I, uh, I, I pitchfork. You know. Yeah, yeah. Pitchfork I thought it was tribe. interesting that um, even though P- tune yards played at four thirty on Friday, I saw like the war paint all three days across huh. all times. I was. Huh. It was uh, Interesting. But yeah, so anyway, uh, lots of feathers. I, at one point, I even saw a, a girl in full uh, Native American, like, headdress regalia, as if she were somehow, like, the chief of the wow. hipster Native Americans. Well, any of these people doing any type of dances, any type of rituals that, that, that led you to believe that they were creating their own pitchforks, you know, sub subculture? Um, I mean, there, you had, like, your, festival? you had your typical, I mean, there, there were the typical Native American rites of passage. There was a much passing of the, uh, and I'm doing air quotes here, peace pipe. Uh, uh, I saw a lot of that, smelled yes. a lot of that. Ah, yes. Um, more power to him. Uh, there was also the uh, the Native American tradition of the uh, hipster white kid dance circle. Explain that a little bit. That's, it's, that's, that's interesting. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's... Can, can, uh, can you paint a, paint a picture for us? Basically, it's a, uh, if you can imagine a circle of, I would say, six to ten, possibly more, poorly dressed, scruffy white kids... Uh, surrounded in a circle with one or two of them in the middle sort of uh, pulling their best uh, you know sort of dance moves mm. you know the moves I'm sure symbolize different things you know uh, you know if I do this dance correctly a case of PBR will appear on my doorstep uh, yeah. uh-huh. you know like my roommate will pick up my rent this month uh, you know right. fun things like that yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, it was an interesting cultural experience so we kind of like you know branched out from just the typical viewership and kind of like went on more or less like an anthropological thing I I joked with Jason I was like you're at the end of this you're basically going to be like the Jane Goodall of the hipsters yeah. you know yeah. you're going to observe them and then they're going to slowly integrate you into their into their collective their culture their tribe yeah. and um, concert fans in the mist exactly uh, exactly <laughs> Right? Exactly. Hopefully without the grizzly ending. Right, right, right. We're, we're not going to, you know. Hopefully he will not be no, uh, no attacked with a machete. Chopped heads or anything. Yeah, or none anything of that. Like, but uh, wow. hipsters are generally. Now, this yeah. is all going to be documented because Jason said he was going to be documenting it. We have, we have uh, pictures to pictures prove it. Pictures and everything. Yeah, yeah. Are those posted yet? Did he I, post those? I don't know. Um, can I give a shout out to his blog? I don't want to start any rival factions. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Jason runs a concert blog uh, called Encore.es. So that's E. I'm sorry, E-N-C-O-R, I think there's an E at the end, dot U-S. Okay. Uh, It'll be in the show notes. Chris will actually look it up and give you an exact link. Yes, we will have a a direct link uh, to this because when you guys were telling me about this, you know, in between shows, uh, it was you, myself, it it was a fun time, you know, and I think that's a huge part of of what I love about going to to festivals like that. Mm -hmm. And And to be quite honest, I think that really... If we didn't have that experience, the kind of the four or five of us, you know, hanging out, yeah. like, I don't think Pitchfork would have been as fun. No, no. You know, I, I think that really is, you know, is something, you know, we, you know, you know, just to be said about about that. So I definitely want to learn more about you guys and, you know, that uh, experience. Yeah, there was a nice, like, sort of spirit of, uh, you know, camaraderie on this one that has sort of been there on, on uh, you know, past Pitchforks. Um, this Pitchfork... Well, it was fun because, um, you know, Chris and myself got to hang out along with, like, some other friends that I brought with me. Uh, but it was particularly fun for my, myself because I got to uh, hang out with Jason a little bit. In past years, Jason being, like, the avid concert photographer that he is, um, has usually been shooting the show. Mm-hmm. And in past years before that, I've been shooting the show. So I think there's been one year 
in the four years that we've gone where we, neither one of us has been shooting mm-hmm. outside of this one. So, so yeah. So year two and four, neither one of us was shooting, which is great because, you know, when that happens, you know, it's like while the other one is off shooting, the other one is just sort of left to wonder, right. you know, wonder around by themselves. And you, you sort of feel you spend more time, I think, ultimately looking for your friend than you do getting to enjoy the music. Right. Or they're so, mm. you know, like last year, Jason was on assignment. And so he had like a certain list of bands he had to cover. So he was running around all over the place. Yeah. And again, like totally cool, like very proud and happy for him. You know, he built an amazing concert portfolio off of that. But it was it was nice this year just because it was it was very chill. There wasn't any of that you know sort of like there was no like rat race it was like let's uh let's go here let's sit under this tree and kind of cool off for a little bit let's go over here and so it was a really cool experience um like i said like the bands this year not so not so good or for my money not as great as in years past but the uh the sort of the camaraderie i think was a little bit better yeah yeah no we were uh while we were there we were talking about uh i think one of the other bright spots of uh, pitchfork this year was their mobile app yeah, I, I think they had one of the best. You know, we, we've uh, experimented with and you know reviewed a lot of different mobile apps on Live Fix before, and we're definitely gonna do a little deeper dive. But um, I know that you you really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, having having that uh, that mobile app, and you're mm-hmm. you're kind of talking about it because what you do uh, for a living, you work uh, you know at a uh, ad agency and you work on uh, mobile apps and things like that. So can you tell us a little bit about? You're saying some interesting things about that app and. Yeah. Kind of how, you know, what, what did you like about it, you know, from a developer, designer, and all that kind of stuff? All right. Um, yeah, so I'll, I guess I'll just preface um, as a profession. I'm, a, I'm an interactive designer myself, and so, you know, on a day-to-day basis, I, you know, craft these web and mobile apps and websites and stuff like that. So um, sort of having an intimate knowledge of the process and, you know, the end result, it's, uh, it's nice to see when, you know, you have a quality product from somebody else. And uh, I think this year's Pitchfork app, uh, which is, I, think, I believe, like the first year they've done it, yeah. was really was really nicely done. Um, it was built on a uh, an already existing platform from a company called Diacarta, and um, one of my coworkers was showing me like some other implementations of it, and they're honestly pretty crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, like for Pitchfork, it was very nice. It, it fit in really well with like the overall visual style and language that they set up for this year's festival. Um, it was it was great just because you didn't have to carry around with you like a, a copy of like your concert schedule or anything. It was all on your phone. And the best part was like you didn't even have to be online to access it. You know, if you like the night before, if you were on a Friday and you wanted to figure out what bands you wanted to see Sunday, right. you just tap them in, and then on the home screen it displays you know well, you've liked this band and they're, they're playing at this time on this stage. And then additionally, there's like all this information about, you know, what the band sound like, who they are, what the history is. So it's, it's you know, sort of like a, you know, the, like the entire three-day festival, like con- condensed into a mobile app. Yeah. And it was really cool because, you know, in years past, it's like, oh, who are these guys? And you have to like, you know, fish around and find your brochure. If you even have one, a lot of people just sort of throw them on the ground as soon as they get them or leave them on the grass or who knows what so it was really cool like i found it to be a very very sort of a beneficial thing and i hope really hope they do it in uh, 2012 yeah yeah it was really cool it's one of the best apps that i've ever used you know and yeah to your point it, you know it a lot of times i was using it on ipod touch mm-hmm. and you know there was a some, some you know some blips with the wi-fi here and there yeah. but it really didn't matter because the way they've designed it uh you know, I just looked at it. It was a clock right on the face, mm-hmm. and it kind of showed you. And 
you know, and one of the things with Pitchfork too is a lot of bands you don't know. It's all about the, a lot of it's about discovery, emerging music. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these indie bands have been around for a while, but they haven't been you know exposed. So you got to you know they had some good content in there that was you know you, you looked at a band, you said oh you know you can learn a little bit about them and you know all that kind of stuff. So and it had all the social stuff on there. So but yeah. the, just the the usability, the interface was. I yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was pretty, a total package. Pretty, and pretty sweet. Yeah, to Chris's point, I think they really nailed the uh, the social aspect of it. Sort of like what we were talking about earlier, the way Pitchfork, it's as, a, it's as much about like sort of experiencing new music and sort of the discovery as it is about sort of like the camaraderie with your friends, you know, going and sort of experiencing these things together and, you know, feeding off of one another, what, sorry, one another, comparing contrasting experiences. The cool thing with this app was um, they really nailed like the sharing aspect of it. So it's like you could... Um, Again, to, like say it's Friday night, you have um, you, know, you set up your list of bands you want to see Saturday. You can send that to a friend, mm-hmm. and you know they can be like, "Oh, well, I see that Tyler is going to be here. I'll meet up with him here at this time at this stage for this band." And uh, it was really cool. Um, you know, again, like it, it was great just because the app was not dependent on. Uh, I, c- I could be mistaken, but I don't believe it was dependent on an internet connection. I think everything sort of cached to your phone. Which is great because historically, mm-hmm. this year was this year was uh, sort of an exception. But historically, um, the uh, cell phone networks don't really handle Pitchfork that well. Right. You know, there's in years past, I've wanted to tweet about you know an, uh, something I've seen or an experience or a band I'm seeing, mm-hmm. and so many people are on the same network at one time that you know it just becomes impossible to connect to any any one network. You know, be it Twitter, Facebook, you know, even Gmail or whatever. Right. And so, you know, I'm left with these like you know wonderfully crafted tweets that I think are going to be awesome but by the time I get to a place where I can connect to a decent you know get a decent 3G connection right. uh, you know the moment has passed and it's not as relevant anymore and therefore kind of a wash yeah yeah it is kind of uh, interesting and w- one of the things I wanted to ask you about is kind of get your thoughts on the connecting you know the mobile aspect you know with with uh, texting because yeah. one of the things that was interesting I think about my experience at Pitchfork you know, and kind of us hanging out during the show, mm-hmm. you know, was, you know, Colin and I were, we were covering the show for a publication, you know, for reviewing, all kind of stuff, and, you know, you guys were just enjoying it as fans or whatever, and a lot of times we were trying to connect, like, where were you guys, where are you yeah, this? Yeah. And we were texting back and forth, you know, and I have a, I, I was kind of looking at the chronological order of my concert experience yeah. based off of our our text, yeah, yeah. you know, back and forth. Where are you at? I'm at this day, this day, you know, with with that. So I'm wondering, how do you, if you were to design a mobile app like that, like what, you know, because I imagine we're, we weren't the only ones, you know, having yeah. that. Like texting is a big part of most concert fan experiences these yeah. days. You know, like where are you at, or you know, you're trying to find your friend. Like, what would you do to like incorporate? So this guy's trying to back out here. I think. <laughs> I mean, really. It's just kind of interesting. I just wanted hey, to know no, no, no. kind of what uh, what you thought because we did a lot of a lot of texting. I think it was kind of interesting, you know, how that uh, the whole the whole weekend was kind of documented in my text. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if, I don't know so much that I would uh, try and work that into a mobile app just because I don't think there's uh, any functionality that exists right now that is uh, so micro location specific that it can pinpoint exactly, you know, where you are dependably. I think what I would do from would be more from like a uh, a festival organization standpoint. I would maybe set up um, you know like some sort of ident- like several identifiable 
you know, poles or something of, like of that nature. So you have like these easily visible landmarks, you know, mm-hmm. I had, you know, I, you were there, Jason was there. I, I had several other friends who didn't come with me, but I knew were there. And, um, our texts were very similar. You know, it's like, it takes place in this giant park. And so your landmarks for reference are, you know, you're limited to the stages, um, the audio, like, like the sound booths, mm-hmm. um, the point of reference that I know that we used all the time was the baseball, baseball diamond, field, yeah. baseball diamond. Yep. You know, I, and like, there were two baseball diamonds. There were two so baseball diamonds. It made it hard to, you know, we were, yeah. uh, you know, it was a lot of like, we're at the big baseball diamond where, right. you know, just in like center field past where the shortstop would stand. Right. You know, and I know that Chris has played baseball in the past, you know, so I knew like he would know where I was at other <laughs> times, it, you know, with like less sport savvy friends, it was, uh, you know, we're 50 feet towards the red stage from the recycling bin that's 20 feet past the first baseline of the big baseball diamond. You know, you get into like these really convoluted sort of where's Waldo directions. Right. And I think, you know, maybe like, you know, some, I don't even know what, flagpoles or something were erected. You know, it's like, hey, we're gathered around the orange flag. You know, I think that would be, you know, more handy, you know, just because you, you have a point of reference. Right. You know, and I mean, for the most part, it's like anywhere like not related to the concerts themselves are pretty easy to find. So you're like, oh, I'm, I'm in the Flatstock area, or I'm by the Axe Tent that smells like douchebags, <laughs> or, you know. But but like, if you're trying to meet up with a friend who's in a sea of people, <laughs> you know, you're kind of stuck to, okay, well, I am, 40 feet in front of the sound stage, in front of the green stage, like just downwind from the circle of hipsters who are smoking pot, like they're trying to reenact Cheech and Chong's Last Ride. <laughs> And, you know, it's, uh, it just becomes very difficult to sort of find people. And, like, in the past, like, I've been trying to find people, and I'm like, I give up. It just seems like there's a great opportunity to create something, whether it's with technology or whether it's with something that's unique to that festival. Like, there's always, and I've seen Lollapalooza do it, you know, in some ways, but it just really, I don't think anybody's really hit that, you know, nail on the head, right, yeah. where it's, you know... Um, can be something that is like oh wow yeah you know like I don't have to wander around or wonder you know because one of the things one of the people that I was sitting in the press tent and this poor girl she came in and she was you know she had a well she almost looked like she was going to cry I said what's the matter she said well I lost my friends you know she wanted to actually use my uh, cell phone charger because I was sitting Mm -hmm. in the press tent charging up my droid because droid terrible it's like right it, it drops it drops uh I, I love my droid but the battery sucks yeah but i'm just gonna say it sure yeah because you know so i said yeah sure she can charge it and she's you know and she turned it turned out that her friends had uh had you know unfortunately ditched her uh for two hours she's uh, wandering around pitchfork you know and she finally and she got enough you know she plugged into my um my cord and and you know she got some bars on there and, and was charged up and you know she had this conversation but she was left to wander around you know and probably even even if something like this did exist her mm-hmm. friends probably wouldn't have used it anyways because right. they seem like jerks <laughs> but uh which really sucks yeah they go to shows with people that are jerks but if we had a good tool like that i think that would have probably you know helped her out yeah helped other fans out because there's other fans that are having this there's I, a disconnect. There's like this great technology, but it's not quite like it, it needs a little more. You yeah, know? I mean, you it's know? like you know, I in your like in years past, like the same thing has happened. You know, like Jason would you know go shoot a set, and they'll be like, "Oh, hey, I'm over watching Beach House," and it's like, okay, well, there's 
10,000 people watching Beach House. It's a big crowd. Where are you in that crowd? Mm-hmm. And you know, you're trying to do all this, like, you know, while you're walking around in the heat, you know, with poor cell phone signal, you know, it's, it, it, they're really, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think there needs to be some sort of either technology, either low tech or high tech or some combination of the two that allows you to, you know, allows some sort of better point of reference for people to find each other. Yeah. Yeah, just something to think about, you know. Uh, with, no, uh, I think that's a great thing uh, to think about because, that, uh, uh, you know, so much of the festival, it's, it's, uh, I think with you know, as with any festival, it's a, it's as much a shared experience as it is an individual one, and so, you know, being able to find your friends, you know, in a sea of people is sort of a critical part of that shared experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, wh- one of the things uh, that we do when we have uh, guests as yourself yeah, yeah. on the show, again, thank you for. For, uh, for joining us as we my pleasure. you know we ask you uh, what what are some of your all-time favorite concert experiences Ooh. you know and they don't have to be on the level of Kumas what we just sure. experienced in there or they could be a little bit higher but what are what, what are some what are your like top three or top two okay. or concert experiences and what uh, you know I can probably rattle off some um, yeah this this is always an interesting question um, you know and I don't I won't ramble too much but um, you can ramble if you want Fun. But I mean, in my experience, you know, as Chris, you know, prefaced, I'm a huge metal fan. But you know, I also I cast a pretty wide net on my musical interests. You know, I listen to you know everything across the board, from you know Johnny Cash to you know indie to hip hop to whatever. Even like you know a little you know radio rock or you know bubblegum you know ringtone rap or whatever you know here and there. And um, and so, but so having said that, um, so if I had to think of like my top. I'll rattle off my top five because I we, we talked about this actually with a group of friends at Pitchfork so they're still relatively fresh in my head cool. so um, top five concert experiences one would be the first time I saw Metallica Metallica since I've been about 12 years old has been like my favorite band um, you know is sort of a, you know had, a, had a, a big impact on my life you know beyond just you know musical preference mm-hmm. um, so the first time I saw them back in 2003 I'd say that was probably you know, my number one concert experience just because, you know, there was there was a 10-year gap between when I started listening to them and when I finally saw them. Mm. And so it was like, you know, it was almost like the hype that builds up, you know, from, uh, you know, when you first enter into puberty and you start thinking about girls in that way and when you <laughs> lose your virginity, you know, except, except this time it was like, That's well, awesome. yeah, it, it, it was totally worth the hype, like. It was everything I wanted it to so be. So can I, more. since you put it out there, can I? Uh, you don't have to go. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't no, have to go no. into details. I have on, no shame. On the, Ask on away the, on this question. But is there is there any, you know, uh, similarities between experiencing? Um, know, it's more both like types of thing, you know, and what you experience with, uh, with similarities. Live. Sure, sure. It seems, it seems like you've you've connected those in, yeah, in your yeah. mind and your heart. There, it seems. It was a. Uh, it was. It was. There was an emotional connection. You know, uh-huh. there was a, a lot of love coming both ways. Um, it uh, it felt very good, uh, hopefully as much for them as me. <laughs> uh, unlike the first time where I, uh, you know, made the sex with the lady, uh, the Metallica concert lasted a lot longer. Ah. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, my, my first experience in that in that genre was sort of like a, I guess what we call a flash in the pan. <laughs> You know, Metallica. That's uh, you know, 
I like how you're segueing. I like how you're sort of like trying to like rope me out of this, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Metallica was it was very it, it was, was it was there, so it was yeah, interesting, no, no, uh, I like it, but uh, interesting thing there. It, no, it was just a, it was a it was like a very fulfilling experience. It was uh, you know sort of like what I had wanted, what I had expected, and sort of like wanted to see for so long. You know, because you like any band, you know, that you really come to like, you sort of want to see them live. You know, you want to see how things translate. So it was um, yeah, your expectations build up and build up. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's. That's an amazing thing to think about. Yeah, know, and they uh, they met my expectations and then some. So hats off to them. Awesome. Um, another great concert experience. Was that the first show you ever, you ever went to? Oh no no, I, I'd been to several shows, many many shows before that. Before that, it was okay. one. Of, it was it was relatively new, young in my concert career. I started going to shows like like towards the end of my senior year of high school, and this was like the summer after my freshman year of college. So oh, okay. I'd been to like maybe half a dozen, a dozen shows at best. Okay. So I mean, it, it was one well, of the first. I thought you said you were tw you were twelve when you saw Metallica. Uh, I was twelve when I first heard Metallica. Oh, I heard them. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Um, cool. So yeah, so I mean, it was I guess was one of like the relatively first shows that I saw. Cool. Um, some other great shows I've seen. Um, I remember the first time I saw Death Cab for Cutie. Um, that was sort of like a very seminal sort of show for me. Like uh, Death Cab, like sort of like what Metallica was. Me Sort of like in my mind, Death Cab is Death Cab is to indie for me as Metallica is to metal. Death Cab was sort of like I remember listening to Plans. I got a burned copy from Jason, and uh, I remember I was I was working in like the studio in school on some ridiculously stupid art project, and uh, I just remember I put it on the stereo and I, I probably played it like ten times in a row, and uh, I was just like you know sort of blown away with it. Like you know it's just like sort of like the polar opposite of you know metal and everything, you know like all this like you know, youthful angst and, you know, self-manufactured aggression and all this stuff. And it was sort of like the opposite of that. It was like very honest and very forthcoming and, you know, just a different, different mode of thought when it comes to like songwriting and structure and everything. Mm -hmm. And so seeing them for the first time live was amazing. One, because it was, I actually got to see them. Mm -hmm. But two, it was also just their, uh, their, their level of energy in the performance so far eclipsed what I was expecting. Uh -huh. You know, it's like they, you know, they're, they're, there's, they're this very, um, you know, soft, um, like introspective, you know, band, you know, on album where, you know, it's all about like the production and, you know, it's a very emotional kind of like one-on-one -on -one thing about a guy and a girl and that kind of stuff. Um, live, just like the energy they put out and like the, the fervor that they played all their songs with, was rivaled a lot of metal shows I've seen. I mean, like they just attacked everything and it was, I was really just blown away. Um, Another one was um, sort of not in the metal camp was um, I saw Feist. Uh, she was touring for her last album, uh, The Reminder. And again, like, you know, love her on album, very atmospheric, very, you know, very good album. Uh, live, it was uh, just this whole other experience. You know, she interacted with the crowd in like a, a really great way. You know, had like a whole like sort of camaraderie going. You know, she involved the crowd in songs. But then also it was just like, again, like the level of musicianship that was there, you know, I was impressed with like on her album, you know, there's lots of like vocal loops and like soft background sound effects. And it was cool because she did all those live, you know, she had two mics, she would record her vocal loop. And then once that got going, she would sing over it. But it was also really cool because the band that she was playing with were, uh, were equally adept musicians. And so all of the songs that she played were songs off of her album. So they're all played differently than they were on the album. So, you know, like the tempo was sped up, you know, parts were slightly changed. You know, it was like, 
it, like I, I I don't have quite a like a, a barometer for comparison, but I imagine it's what what seeing like a really great jazz musician would be like. You know, how, and I say that admitting that I've never actually seen a great jazz musician, but I imagine you know back in the heyday of jazz, going to see like you know Miles Davis or John Coltrane, you know that that kind of thing. That's that in my mind, that's what I equate it to, and it was just it was a very very cool, powerful experience to watch her play. Um, and then I think probably like us do uh the other one would be probably like the last time um well not the last time the first and last time i saw um nine inch nails huh. is on their fa- on uh their slash his farewell tour and uh it was the last show they played in chicago presumably if he you know if trent sort of lives up to his hype forever <laughs> uh, or at least as nine inch nails right. and so uh you know I, i'd always sort of bypass them you know miss them for one reason or another um, you know, in all the years that I'd sort of been into, I, you know, they'd always sort of been a band like that was in the background. I'd listen to them occasionally and I liked all the, like, the radio sing, you know, singles, but I never really dived into Nine Inch Nails as like a band on album. And um, after college, I really, really got into them. And so when the opportunity came to see them, I, you know, I jumped on it and I was just completely blown away. Like, you know, for, for a man who sings about so many problems and you know, hardships in the past, you know, so, so many times you, you, you run into this problem where these bands, they become really big and they're at this like really great introspective, powerful music, you know, that's like revealing like their character and the problems they're going through. But then once they sort of like conquer those demons and move past them, which I think, you know, is, you know, sort of integral in every artist's creative evolution, you know, they sort of like lose a little bit of their edge. And, you know, at least, you know, on album, I, I think that's probably true of, of Trent Reznor, you know, I, like I, I like his later his later work, but I just don't think it lacks that sort of like, you know, gut punch of you know, aggression and angst and everything that his early stuff has. And but I mean at the same time, you know, I acknowledge that he's over that and more power to him. Right. Um, but anyway, so so having going and knowing all of that and knowing you know so where he was now as opposed to like, you know, back when he first started out, it was really amazing to see him live because he played like even though he's not going through like any of those dark elements in his life that's what i always wonder about him he plays with such he does that he plays with such a sense of aggression like it's like it's it's, kicking stuff over right it's it's like it's like it's like it's like you almost get the the, the sense that he is like in somehow in every show he is like sort of like sort of excising these demons it's like a sort of a creative catharsis for him and that translates like it's almost like like he hates the stage and feels the need to destroy it and so um and, and of course that just translates amazingly well live, you know, right. especially being a fan of like that angsty earlier work. Um, it's just mind blowingly amazing show. And, you know, we had like a great, great spot to see it all from, um, you know, there were no annoying people on this. What, this was at the Aragon. Aragon okay. Yeah. We did a great spot off to the side, like raised up above the rest of the crowd, like towards the front. So we got to see mm-hmm. everything. It's amazing. Awesome. I mean, just the musicianship was there. Like his performance was epic. And, you know, he, he knew how to work the crowd perfectly. You know, he had, like, you know, some, like, special guests. He did a few, like, I think I think he did one cover. I can't remember what it was. I think maybe, like, a David Bowie cover or something like that. Mm. But, I mean, and it was just, like, this whole, like, amazing experience. You kind of got to see, you know, it was, like, it was like seeing, like, you know, his entire career condensed down into, like, an hour and 45-minute set. Mm. And, I mean, and, and the end, like, he, he, you can tell he's, like, a very, he, he's a man who knows how to, like, sequence things because he he goes out he plays this like super aggressive set 
and uh, you know, he comes out, he does an encore, he thanks the crowd for everything, all, all their support. You know, he's like, this is the last time I'll see you guys. I just want to thank you so much for everything you've done. You'll hear more from me, but you probably won't see me that much. And then he closes the set with her, which is, you know, argu- like, arguably like his most powerful song, you know, if not one of the most powerful songs. And I just remember like, you know, he finishes and the lights come up and I'm just like sort of standing there, like sort of like shell shocked, like what did I just see? And um, I turn to my left and there's a girl next to me who is like literally in tears. Mm like just like rolling down her face and I don't know if it's just because like she got caught up in the moment or she really identified with that song or some other part of the set or you know she just you know was sad that this is the last time she would get to see him Mm. you know maybe it's a combination of all three but I just looked over and this girl was just like you know just like in like overcome with emotion Uh and I was I I, I remember I was like looked at her and I was like you know do you you want a hug or anything yeah yeah yeah. you know just this is a you, she could tell what you asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, I was like, are you okay? Do you want to hug? You want to hug it out? And you know, she was like, no, I'm, I'm okay. It's just, it's just so was sad. She by herself? Uh, no, she was with friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was with, she was standing next to us the whole show. But, uh, but yeah, she's like, no, I'm okay. It's just, it's just really so sad. And wow. again, I never really figured out, you know, what was sad about it. But it was, uh, it, I mean, like the performance was on that level. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing, man. Thank you for. Uh, it's always fantastic to hear, uh, you know, fellow fans uh, kind of tell the stories. You know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of times we go to shows and you know we see what's going on stage and you can kind of glance and you can see people reacting mm-hmm. to it. You know, but uh, that was just some phenomenal lightning. Yeah, I've been amazed. There's been some total uh, rabbit trail here. Amazing lightning shows. Yeah, yeah. In oh Chicago yeah. Lately, the last yeah. couple days. So listeners, if you hear a loud pop and maybe like an agonized scream, <laughs> Chris and I have probably been struck by lightning. Yeah, we're right by some light poles here, so. Uh, but in any case, it's amazing to hear the stories, you know, what's going on inside, you know, concert fans, you know, your minds and, and hearts like that. So it's uh, awesome to have you share yeah, your stories. And again, thank you for introducing me to, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Kumas and, and I have a sense of awe about me right now. Well, as, uh, as my, I was, my stomach is still full. It'll like, be that way like, for a couple it's hours. Like, oh, but it's like it's ecstasy yeah oh yeah yeah it's like digestive gastronomical ecstasy yeah it's uh I'm it's a little slice of heaven so on thank earth. you yeah it's my pleasure you know like yeah. I, I i said when we uh when you and i both triumphantly uh finished our burgers in one sitting <laughs> which i'm I, I for for any of you who know kumas and for those of you who don't it is it is a feat of strength <laughs> like literally like yeah, it, t- like talk about this for a minute it's, sure it's uh it's, it's uh the it's burgers are part of tonight in this interview was you know after a uh, uh, moment of conquest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? it, it's very and, much and a the concert fans' experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, the burgers themselves are like half pound burger. I mean, that's just the burger, and then on top of that, you have a pretzel bun, and then you know whatever toppings you might happen to get on your burger, and then on top of that, there are like you know the the pile of fries surrounding your burger on the plate. <laughs> so to consume an entire plate of food like that, it's literally just <laughs> nothing but pure starch and protein. <laughs> it, and on, on top of you know, in my case, several beers, and in Chris's case, several bottles of root beer, yeah. is uh, it, it, it's it, I would say it's a feat of uh, Herculean proportions. I mean, like it's uh, the girl next to you asked if you didn't have fries. I thought that was even kind yeah, of that comical. was I was like, oh, like, no, I had fries. I was like, sister, please. I, <laughs> this is my first time at the rodeo. I did my I did my pregame stretches. I came to win. It's uh, you know, it's. It, I, I come into this with, with pure game face, and uh, if I 
if I don't get it, it's 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 a different ball game if you get an appetizer. You know, you're sort of forgiven if you you can't finish it because the appetizers themselves are are meals. But um, if I don't get an appetizer, I consider it I consider myself a failure if I don't finish everything on the plate. And once yeah, it's again, almost like coming to a concert and leaving like halfway through. Right. You e- know. E- even if it's gonna be, it, it's as if you went to the Nine Inch Nails concert and you just left. Right. Exactly. You know, I was knowing like, oh. that you're gonna eat something. Awesome. Right. I was like, well, I know this is good, but you know. Yeah. Whatever. And to get and to get through that Nine Inch Nails concert, from what I from what I've heard, my old brother went there and he broke, I think he broke his ankle or something like that. The show. Yeah, that sounds so about right. Kind of a thing here. So you know what. We're going to, we told you we might have to wrap this thing yeah, up yeah. pretty quickly. So it is actually raining. Tyler, thank you very much. My pleasure. Yeah, it's awesome, you, uh, man. And uh, we'll hopefully do it again. we'll, damn, that's some awesome lightning again. It is starting to downpour, so we're going to call it quits and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. My See pleasure. You guys. Thanks, guys. All right. I want to thank you for listening to this special bonus episode of Live Fix Radio. And a special thanks to Tyler and Gideon for coming on the show and sharing their stories with us. And we'll uh, be sure to uh, share more stories as we go along. Um, But again, you guys can go check out all the show notes at livefixblog.com. Let us know what you think of the show. If you're listening to this in iTunes, we'd love to have you guys drop a comment, rate the podcast, and tell us what you think of the show. Again, if you guys have ideas, uh, go to livefixblog.com. Share your comments, share your ideas. We'd love to hear your stories. Uh, Until next time, guys, enjoy the show, and we will catch you guys later.
think you do. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you. Bye. See you guys, bye.